This Westwards mini masterclass is a production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. For more information on Westwards and what we do, please go to westwards.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Westwards Mini Masterclass for today. I'm James Roy. As always, I'm your host for the uh, Mini Masterclass podcasts. Uh, if you haven't been here before, welcome. If you have been here before, then hopefully you have listened to something like 75 previous podcasts. If not all of them, then at least some of them. That would be nice. Um, they're all there for you to go and listen to. Just go to the platform. But uh, today my guest is George Ivanov. George, good morning. Good morning, and thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, of course. Um, thank you for joining us from Melbourne. Is it cold in Melbourne today? It is freezing. Yeah, it's really cold. Uh, it was um, 6.4 this morning. Oh, that's lightweight, mate. I'm in the Blue Mountains. It was zero. So, uh, Okay, yeah. We don't get zero down here all that often. Mm. But, uh, yes, and it's uh, nice to chat with you. You were recently on our um, on our clubhouse the uh the, the west words oh, Clubhouse. yeah the west words clubhouse is a blog for um for children and young people mm. and thank you so much for doing that you had some really interesting things to say so again if anyone is uh, has young people in their lives who are interested in the writing process go and check out the clubhouse and george was there for a month and uh you had some interesting things to say but the the thing that i'm really keen to talk to you about today george is the um the way you approach your your writing but first of all you've got a book coming out fairly soon i believe is that right that's correct on the uh, 30th of this month and that really? is monster island monster island that sounds like a very um monstrous <laughs> well, there are monsters in it. Well, well, I would hope so. I'd be very disappointed if a, a book for middle grades had um, the word monster in the title and there were no monsters. I mean, I wrote a book a few years ago called um, Hunting Elephants and there was no hunting. In, well, there was a bit of hunting, but there were no elephants and people were a bit... <laughs> so, uh, there are actually monsters and there is an actual island, right? That's correct, yes. You tell us a bit about that. Okay, well, uh, prior to this, I'd been doing nonfiction for a while, um, the Survival Guide series. So there was mm. the Australia Survival Guide, the Human Body Survival Guide, and the Supernatural Survival Guide. And Monster Island actually came out of the Supernatural Survival Guide because I was, um, I was researching the Bermuda Triangle, mm. and I discovered that there were other triangles, other mysterious bodies of water, just less known. Mm. So like there's the Devil's Triangle that's near Japan. And right. it turns out that Australia has its own triangle, the Does Bass it? Strait Triangle. Does it really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Where supposedly mysterious disappearances and weird things have, have occurred. The most famous being the disappearance of um, the amateur pilot Frederick Valentich in the 1960s. So this bit's actually, what you're saying so far is actually true. The, uh, there is actually an area that is sort of mysterious. Re yes. That is referred to as the Bass Strait Triangle. Yes, it's not commonly known. It's usually only the, the hardcore um, conspiracy and UFO people who refer to it as that. But There's also my sock drawer, there. though. My sock drawer is notorious <laughs> for disappearing. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I found out we had our own triangle and I thought, oh, I'd like to, to to, to write some fiction based around that. And I thought, well, you know, I could, I could put an island 
in the Bass Strait Triangle that no one's ever heard of, this mysterious hidden island, and, mm-hmm. and I'll put dinosaurs on it because I love dinosaurs. And then I thought, no, I need Who more doesn't? than dinosaurs. Who doesn't and... love dinosaurs? Exactly. Um, and, yeah, I thought dinosaurs weren't enough, so I added other creatures, hence mm-hmm. the monsters. Yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> makes it makes it hard to visit a place where, um, A, you're making it up, and, <laughs> and B, <laughs> if, if you're not making it up, you may well disappear when you go to visit it. So um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about a little bit of that in a minute. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, And so that's coming out. Who's, who's publishing that? Uh, that's uh, Puffin, so Penguin Random House. Penguin Random House, very good. Congratulations. And um, what it's, number is this? This is like number 5,000 for you or something? Um, it is. If you include all the, you know, like school readers and smaller Ooh. things, it will be 137. That's an impressive number. There's a lot of really small school readers in that number. Yeah. That's a, it's a, that's a very humble caveat. I appreciate you saying that, but it's still a lot of, it's still a lot of a book. So, so folks who are listening, we're not talking to a lightweight here. We're talking to someone who's got a lot of runs on the board. So, um, it's really good to talk to you. So today I'd love to, um, explore something that I have, how to, how to, how to approach this. I'm really, really crap at plotting. I, I will say that. But I've written my fair share of books for young people and, and older people. But when I always get a bit of a, uh, a blank stare come across me when people in workshops and, and talks and things say to me, so how do you, how do you come up with a plot? How do you work out what happens? And I look at them and I go, I, I don't know. I just do. I just write and it happens. I, it's sort of some, some weird alchemy, some magical thing that occurs. Mm. But a lot of your work is unapologetically plot driven, correct? Correct. Right. So, for example, I, when I first met you, what, what was it, 15 years ago or something, 10 years down at, at, at Paul and um, Meredith's house, um, you were get, really getting into the whole um, write your own, uh, what's, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Interactive. Interactive yeah, yeah, yeah. adventures, no. so they're like like the old choose your own adventure sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is that choose your own adventure is actually a trademarked name for the original series of books. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, why everybody comes up with their own names for yeah, it. Okay. Which is a funny thing. To, yeah, and that, that's the point I was going to make is that um, the choose your own adventure books from back when I was young and, and, mm. and so forth is, I always found them fairly unsatisfying because they'd go, choose your own adventure, and you go, oh, cool. And you go, okay, you and your friend are walking down the street and you see this old house. There's usually a haunted house involved. Um, uh, see an old house and there's a the rickety gate creaking and you, your friend says, let's go inside. If you go inside, go to page 53. If you don't go inside, turn over. And you turn over the next page and it goes, oh, come on, says your friend. You go, oh, okay, fine. Now go to page 53. Like <laughs> They're a bit like computer games that are very, you know, the early the early role-playing computer games that were very scripted and you were basically channeled through this story. How did you take that idea and turn it into something that, that feels more interactive and feels – I know we're getting right into the deep end straight away of plotting, but talk yeah. about that a little bit if you could. Um, well, the way I've always approached them is that uh, I start off by working out the, the main kind of happy ending plot line. So, you know, I work out where the story begins. I work out what the ultimate uh, goal is. 
and the problems along the way and the solutions to the problems. And there I have that main plot line. And I do this on a whiteboard, by the way. I've got a large magnetic whiteboard. I have a stack of cards. Each plot point gets its own card. I stick them up onto the board. Can I pop a pin in that just for a quick question? While yep. I remember. Um, do you find that you have to do it on large scale on a board? You, yes. can't, do it, you can't do it on a on Scrivener or on a computer no. or anything like that? No, no, no. People keep telling me that I should be using the computer programs that, like, link it all together. and You and, like and to stretch it out. And, and I can't. I, uh, you know, I've had a play um, with a couple of them and I just – it's, it's hard to see the big picture then when you're looking at the computer screen. It's great if you're zooming in and, it, and it's great for making notes and stuff like that, um, but I, I, I need to have that big picture in front of me. Okay. Anyway, so I'm sorry to interrupt. I, no, 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 that's all right. That's a, that's a good derail. question, actually. So if you would like to return to the question that you're yep. answering, go to page 53. Okay. <laughs> so once I've got that main plot line worked out, then I go back to each of the decision points, the problems that were solved in order to get that main that happy ending plot line. And I go to each of those problems and go, okay, so what else could we do here? Um, so you know, you were you saw a ghost and you in the main plot line, you ran away from it. Well, what happens if you decide to confront it? And from there, I decide whether that alternate decision will take you to another plot line or to a dead end, because the books are full of dead ends as well, where you can get chucked out of the story. Is that part so, of the appeal, do you think? Is that, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, and go, damn it, I have to go back and find the adventure. Yeah, yeah. I, I always uh, enjoyed it in the, in the old books when, um, when bad things happened. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. That probably says a lot about me. Um, and in terms of writing the book, um, you know, killing off my readers is is huge amounts of fun. So I, I probably, as the book series continued, because it ran for thirteen books, as the book series continued, I, I sort of there was more and more dead ends with more and more bizarre ways in which to die. Right. Um, because like, I enjoyed like, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Good like Game of Thrones, you know. <laughs> I, I imagine if George Martin tried to write a um a choose your own adventure, everything'd be a dead end. It'd be like <laughs> yeah, there'd be no winning. You go through the door on the left or on the right. I go through the door on the right. Oh, you've just been beheaded. Oh God. <laughs> I think the whole point would then be to show you that in life there are no winners. <laughs> you will always die. Well, that's that sort of takes me back to a, a little joke that I heard. Um, you know, Stephen Moffat, George Martin, and um, Joss Whedon all go into a bar, and everyone you like dies. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then um, Moffat brings them back to life. Of course, he does. You know, you know, because that's life. his thing. That is his trope. A character dies, but then they're not dead. Yeah, he right. did that so many times in Doctor Who. You're like Scooby Doo, and every every mystery is the um, the janitor. <laughs> yes. anyway. I would have gotten away for it if not for those pesky kids. <laughs> those pesky kids and that dog that yeah won't shut up. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, sorry, dog. So where uh, were we? I, 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 oh yeah, working out the plot line. So yeah. yeah, all right. So if if I decide that another decision will take me to a new plot line then I attack that plot line in exactly the same way as that first one. I take the start of it, I work out what the ultimate goal of that plot line will be, the problems that will be in that plot line, the solutions to those problems, and then what are the alternatives and where will they take you? And I'm, I usually aim for about at least three levels of, of plot line. So you've got your main plot line, which will lead to another, which will lead to another. And when I can, I'll fit in a, a, a fourth. Um, here and there. And then I try to link them. 
Mm. I also I love I, I love it um, if you go down one pot, plot line, make your way partway along it, and then are forced back to one of the other plot lines you didn't want to do. So mm. kind of like what you said at the beginning there about the, you know, you're not wanting to go into the house, but the next page makes you go into that house. Well, I won't make you go into the house the very next page, but you know, eventually three or four choices down down the line, um, I might force you there anyway. But yeah. not always, just sometimes, because I I also like to try and um, vary the structure of things as as much as possible and do mm. unexpected things. So mm. while um, while the choices will sometimes seem obvious, they won't always be so. So it might seem like, well, this is the less dangerous choice to make here, so it must be the good choice. And that might immediately lead to your death on the next page, that sort of thing. Yeah, because yeah, something I've often said <clears throat> on the podcast will have heard me say this, I'm sure, is that you know, one of my philosophies of, of writing is that you're, you're entering a contract with your reader where you basically say, you're going to have to work with me a little bit here. I'm not going to tell you everything. You're going to have to, you know, but usually when I say this, I'm referring to the idea that, you know, you don't put everything on the page, you infer some stuff rather than, but yep. But I think that works for this as well, doesn't it? I mean, the fact that your readers have to feel like they are being taken on an adventure, even though they probably down deep know that <laughs> that yeah. you're in control of where yeah. they're going. Is that is that the is that the dance that you have to play? Yeah, it's um, you know they're not. Yeah, the reader is not in control, but the reader is given the illusion right. of control. Is that something uh, you're conscious of while you're doing it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm always, I guess, looking for ways to make it a little more interesting and a little more different um, from the standard set well, of choices. Maybe you should be work, you should be writing romance though, because I'm told that that's what romance writers have to do. Is you know, every every romance story has pretty much the same the same plot points and the same progression, but every every one is slightly different. You, you know, there is a series of um, uh, interactive tween romance novels that are available here in Australia. They're called the Choose Your Own Ever After series, and they've got people like Julie Fison and stuff writing for them. Oh, okay. They're not bad, actually. <clears throat> I've read a couple of them. Um, it's a really um, interesting approach to interactive uh, adventures because most interactive stories are written in second person and put the reader into the story, mm -hmm. whereas these tween romance novels, they're written in third person. So you are playing with somebody else's life. Right. You are making decisions on behalf of this other character and potentially ruining their lives. So it's an interesting um approach to interactive storytelling okay i mean you're a, you're a gamer as well aren't you you played uh, to a certain extent not as much as i used to be as a kid i used to be like an obsessive gamer as, the, as a kid these days you know i i mostly just play pokemon go on my mobile phone <laughs> okay so back okay, play, yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're playing games like red dead redemption and gta and the sims and those sorts of things where you're driving the story uh, no, um, I, you know, strangely enough, I've never really gotten into the really story-based um, gaming. I like watching it. So my, both my kids um, are, are really into that sort of gameplay and will quite often, I'll just sit down and, and watch them play their way through. Like um, my youngest is into um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm -hmm. and like that's an incredibly intricate world. Um 
And so you've got the, the the main plot that you can play through, but there's also all these side adventures that you can go on and just explore. And it's it's extraordinary. I mean, I, I don't think I have enough dexterity to control <laughs> the controls to be able to do the battles and stuff that she does. Um, and I'm not... I'm not sure that I have the patience either, um, because I'm I'm I've got a fairly limited attention span, uh-huh. um, and these story these sort of games, the immersive um, story driven games, yeah, require yeah. a lot of sustained attention, and and my mind wanders. I think um, yeah, there's good ones. So I'm I've yeah. always been into the more th- you know as a kid, my favorite game was Space Invaders. I just liked blasting aliens. Right. Right. Um, uh, in my heart of hearts, I'm, I have an obsessive collective nature, collecting nature, and I've managed to break myself of the habit of collecting stupid things mm. as I've grown up because they take up space, which is why Pokemon Go appeals to me so much, I think, because it's collecting, but it's collecting virtually. Yes. So I've got this massive collection of, of, of over, you know, I think I'm over 4,000 Pokemon now, but it's all just on my phone. It's not taking up space in my house. Yes, right. I've got friends who collect um, pop vinyls, and I, I'm a little bit amused as to why 50-year-old people collect pop vinyls. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's not talk about that anymore. Um, yeah, it's interesting, the whole story-driven thing. I mean, we'll get back to our other thing, but I just – my friend who lives in the in the UK, he, he called me years ago, a couple of years ago, and he said – you play Xbox, don't you? I said, yes, I've got Xbox. And he said, oh, you haven't got a PlayStation? I said, no. And he said, oh, I'd really love you to go and play a game called um, The Last of Us. Ah, the one they made into the TV show. Right. And he mm-hmm. said, and I said, why? And he said, oh, he said, I, I just had this experience where I got to the la- the end of it. I finished it the other day. And she, he said, I found myself sitting there and weeping. I was so moved by the character engagement in this story. And I guess a testament to how good that was was the fact that, yes, it's become a one of the more successful, you know, television series. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I just say there's a sidebar because we were talking about story and ga- stories and gaming and so forth. But anyway, so the other question I had for you then about the, the, the plotting idea and how you, how you plan this out, this, this method that you talk about where you've got the whiteboard and the post notes mm-hmm. and all the rest of it, do you use exactly the same method when you're plotting something that isn't going to be an interactive story? No. Um, How do you do I, that? Because I think that's the one that I really need to. Know. I need to <laughs> understand. I'm I, I am by nature a planner, but I'm a little more haphazard when it comes to um, an ordinary story. So you know, I do all my brainstorming in a notebook. So I fill that notebook up with ideas and and random stuff that might be useful for the story. Um, then I'll sit down and I'll try to um, work out um, a plot line. So what I'll, I'll have my notebook, I'll sit at the computer, uh, I will um, uh, divide things up into chapters. So, And then I'll go, all right, so I know roughly where I'm headed and I'll put in the ending or what I think might happen at the end. And I'm, I'm always pretty definite where I'm beginning. And then I start to think, okay, so I've got this random collection of events that I want to happen and I'll start pot- putting them in. And I say, all right, so this is a biggie. So I'll leave this one towards the end. That can go here. This is a small problem. I'll do that one somewhere near the start and I'll start tetrising it in. Mm. 
And once I've got those main things in, then I will go to the start and do a kind of complete plot of it to see whether it all works, fill in a little bit more detail, look for connections. Um, uh, connections are really important for me. Uh, what I call a through line, something that is there near the start and continues all the way through the story to to, to the end. And it might not be there um, in a big way, um, but it needs to be there. And it's kind of what what pulls me along through the story. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I kind of just like work it all in together until I have something that I'm relatively happy with. And then I start writing. And invariably, things change along the way when I'm writing, because, you know, part of the writing process is also exploring and seeing where things take you. So mm. I will quite often along the way stop because something unexpected has happened um and replot um so go back to that that outline and replot things because something major has changed when something major like that does change i do need to replot i can't just continue writing because then i'll start to get myself confused with what i've already plotted out i find it's kind of remarkable you know because you said a minute, minute ago that you're you've got a short attention span, and you know, and I'm the same. I'm a very impatient person. You know, I'll I'll put a lay by, a deposit on a lay by, and then go back the next day and pay it off and take it home. And I should have just bought it, right? Uh, this, this is what credit cards are for. <laughs> opinions expressed by the guest are not necessarily those of Westwoods. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but you know, I think that impatience is part of the reason why I don't and and have on occasion but really for the most part don't ever do what you're describing i i just um write and then just sort of fumble my way through and then rely on my instincts to get me to a point where i've got something that i can massage into shape do you not feel impatient while you're doing this plotting thing or do you or do you really enjoy that process no, I, I enjoy the process of, of plotting. I, I like to have something definite um, um, in my mind when, when I'm writing. Does that um, take the pressure off the, you, do you think? Um, yeah. It, it also, it, there's also the thing of, of impatience when it comes to, to rewriting. The, the few times where I haven't plotted uh, 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 as, as much, where I haven't gone into as much detail with the plotting, I've ended up having to rewrite a whole lot more. Mm. with much more major structural changes and that's mm. that's frustrating and that takes time mm. that, that takes a lot of time if you've got something that's written with a big chunk in there that does not work trying to figure out how how the hell you're going to fix that mm. is really hard and takes a lot of time whereas trying to fix something that doesn't work in an outline is much mm. easier and i guess the other thing too is you know, if you're a bit of a word hoarder like like some of us are, you know, they, the idea of writing 5,000 words of luminous prose and then realising that all got to be discarded is is kind of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yet I keep going back and doing it. So I'm, I'm feeling encouraged. I feel like I should definitely do this thing you're talking about and buy myself a whiteboard and get into it, I think. <laughs> I, I, I don't know because really... I think writing is such an individual thing. It's mm. it's going to be it's going to be different for for everyone, and I and I don't think just because it works for me, it's going to work for other people. Well, a couple of years ago, when I wrote a book that was a short story collection, um, and it was all these people who were um, related and 
related to each other in anonymous and, and interesting ways. I, I had this all these ideas for all different characters, but they all had to meet individually, but not be connected to each other in, in other ways. And so I, I did a big flow chart on my window with, with whiteboard marker. I've got a big window in my front, front room where my, my study was then. And um, because it was done on the inside, from the outside, it just looked like gobbledygook. It looked because my handwriting is messy anyway. So there were <laughs> circles and lines and dotted lines and double lines and notes and post-it notes. And from I remember, the, <laughs> I remember the day that the um, the courier turned up to deliver something, and he stood on my front deck and looked at this massive window covered in what looked to him from the other side like just weird symbols and mess. And I think he, I think he thought he'd stumbled into some kind of beautiful mind thing. Like there's some, some goodwill hunting nonsense going on inside this. As this, as this bloke works out, you know, how to how to develop, how to invent perpetual motion or something inside his <laughs> nasal growth. <laughs> anyway, so, so see, this is why I use a whiteboard. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Look, um, tell us again the name of the book that you're – it's Monster Island? Monster Island. And available at the end of this month. That's correct. From all good bookstores and some bad ones. Um, yeah, I'm hoping from all bookstores, all, all good, bookstores, bad or indifferent. All, all bookshops regardless of quality. Uh, yeah. Um, look, we could talk for hours about this, but we won't. Um, maybe we'll come back and revisit some of this in the future, but – do you have any final um, thoughts about this whole thing? Uh, look, I, I am very plot-driven in, in terms of my writing to, to the extent where, you know, sometimes my characterization is what, what fails and that's what tends to require the most rewriting um, right. when, when I'm being edited. It's sort of my editor saying, you know, but why is your character doing this? You know, what are they doing? They they they're doing this um, because I've concentrated so much on on the plot that I I haven't paid enough attention to you know what's going through the mind of the of the characters at the time. I mean, I know what's going through their mind, but I'm impatient to get on with the plot, so mm-hmm. I I have a tendency to to rush things. So you know, there there are pluses and minuses to every um, process, and mm-hmm. my minus is that. I, I concentrate so hard on the plot that I, I miss other things along mm. the way that need to be fixed afterwards. So, Just a quick straw poll for you then. Um, if we'd been having this conversation, you know, 20 years ago, would almost certainly have been um, the, uh, the belief amongst most people would be that the kinds of stories that you're writing, the books that you're writing are swallowed up by boys and girls not so much. Is that your experience or has that all changed? Um, e- marketing or have still I just goes- opened a massive can of worms? No, no, no. Marketing still goes in that direction. I mean, right. my, my books tend to be marketed as boy books. Um, and, you know, I've done um, school visits in schools where they separate the boys and girls and they get the boys to see me and they get the girls to see, you know, Jackie, Jackie Harvey. Harvey or, or someone, someone That's else. so which, disappointing. I hate it. It is. I, I hate that because yeah. certainly I, I find that um, there, there seems to be just as many girl readers of my books as there are boy readers. Yeah, man. Like I can, all I can imagine in that situation is that there would be girls sitting in one group and boys in the other just going, I hate this. I really wish I was in that other group. Yeah, and and I never I, I never understood why there and there's only a few schools that have done that, but they yeah. have. They've 
um, they've separated the the kids. Well, and I, I I hate that. I you know. If you're a teacher listening in now and you're going to book George and James to come to your school, one's going to talk about character-driven writing, the other one's going to talk about plot-driven writing, stick all the kids together, we'll have a chat like we just had now. You know what? That would be fantastic. Yeah. I would love to do something well, like Let's set that. it up. Let's do it. You're going to come to Sydney or am I going to come to Melbourne? Maybe we'll do both. Indeed. <laughs> Actually, maybe there's an idea. In it. Anyway, George Ivanoff, thank you so much for um, joining us today. What's your website? Um, it is georgeivanoff.com.au. George Ivanoff, that's with two Fs at the end. That's correct. Yeah. Listen, thanks so much, mate. Really appreciate chatting with you. And that's oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Mm-hmm.